welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoma's Oklahoma State football podcast presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I am your host of the Cowboy Chronicles, Scott Wright, joined by uh, Oklahoman columnist Jenny Carlson. This is our final Cowboy Chronicles postgame of the season. 24 to 21 defeat for Oklahoma State here at the Houston Bowl. We're coming to you from uh, I'm sitting right at about the 39 yard line at uh, at this very moment. So yeah, 38 um, for me. Yeah, we're uh, we're here on the uh, on the uh, actually the Texas A&M bench at the moment. Um, so hopefully they don't need it back. I hope they don't, they're not getting ready to haul this to College Station <laughs> it, right it, here. It's not that we uh, picked the Texas A&M sideline. It was just the closest one. Yes. And as I look across at Oklahoma State sideline, which I assume is the visiting sideline for the Texans uh, opponents, the the benches don't look great over there. No. Looks like no. the benches over here are better. Yeah. Much more comfortable. More here. back support. Yes, exactly. We need it. Yes. Or um, I do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know who else could use some back support? Chuba Hubbard. Oh. <laughs> he carried he carried this team a long way this season. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll find out in the coming days. You know, he addressed all the questions. I thought um, I thought he handled it the right way. He essentially said, "I don't want to answer these questions," but but he did anyway, and we appreciate him for that. So, um, you know, January twentieth is the uh, the date when he has to announce his decision by. January 8th is the day that he has to be back in school if he uh, so chooses to stay at Oklahoma State. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what uh, what is to come of that. But right here on uh, on this turf in front of us, he nearly ended up rushing for 2,100 yards this se- to finish off this season, which was um, you know it ranked ranks number 18 as it is as it is uh, 20 uh, 2,094 yards for the season from Chuba Hubbard 158 on the ground tonight um the 18th best season uh in total of uh, in terms of total rushing yards um in college football history really really hard to kind of fathom what uh, what we watched from chuba hubbard this season yeah and you know when you think about this era of football and the passing offenses that are out there to have a guy that is in a situation where they do run a passing offense. It's not like he did this at Navy or Air Force or Army or right. you know somewhere that runs the the option or something. I don't even know if Navy does that anymore. Anyway, but you know, he's not in a running offense. It's not like he went to Wisconsin to run the ball right. a gazillion times. Yeah. Came to Oklahoma State, uh, air raid offense and you know, it became Chuba Hubbard's offense essentially yeah. this year. You know, injuries obviously forced the Cowboys' hands hand to to do some things differently, but he was able to, as you said, Scott, carry that load in a way that, you know, I don't know if a lot of backs could have done because even as it became more and more obvious that this guy's going to get the ball, mm-hmm. he still was able to get a lot of yards, and that was even the case tonight to some degree. He had only seven carries at halftime averaging 11 yards a carry had some tougher sledding in the second half but still had some big plays and really crucial moments and um you know i think that that just again speaks to that bigger picture of just how effective he was in situations where it wasn't necessarily a given that he would be yeah absolutely i mean he had uh, 19 carries for 158 caught two passes for 15 yards and thinking back to those two receptions, 
he was uh, he was put in one on one situations where he had to make a guy miss to get any yardage out of those at all, and uh, and he did that um, because that's just what he's been able to do in those opportunities all season long. So um, really, uh, really excelled when put in some tough situations and to finish the season with 11 straight 100 yard games and like you said down the stretch probably the last uh, the last half of those everybody knew he was getting the ball and uh, and he still produced that yeah. was uh that was probably the most uh, the most impressive thing and um like we discussed a couple of weeks now to make up his mind as, as far as what he wants to do with his future one way or another this Oklahoma State offense is is in a pretty is in pretty good shape. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that you know, obviously, if you if you get Chuba Hubbard back, if you get Tylen Wallace back, I mean, that's obviously two huge difference makers, and you can't ignore that. But you know, I think as it relates to the to the wide receivers, you know, I think we've seen that there are some other guys that are just waiting in the wings. I yeah. mean, they got pushed out on on the big stage after Tylen Wallace's injury, whether it's a Dylan Stoner or Braden Johnson tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some other guys that yeah, I think they could still use Jelani Woods more. I think he's a guy that's going to continue to evolve and, and, and be even a bigger part potentially of the offense. So, um, I, you know, I think that their, their past catchers are in a good spot. Running back seems a little thin, but they've got some good potential there. And then you know you're gonna get you're gonna get Spencer Sanders back um, a year more seasoned than right now. Yeah. So um, running back's sort of the the question: who, how dynamic a back do you have to, right. to build out of that backfield? And uh, yeah, it sounds like we're probably gonna know that here in the next couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Braden Johnson, five catches for 124 yards, two touchdowns tonight. Uh, had a couple of other opportunities on some uh, some competitive catches where he could have had uh, a, a much bigger night, uh, but still a really impressive night. Um, one thing that, that Sean Gleason discussed in postgame uh, was that uh, Dylan Stoner, uh, now, now Sean Gleason did not use the word injury, but hinted at the fact that, that Stoner had been injured throughout bowl preparation. And so to, uh, to sort of alleviate that, they moved him back to his normal inside position move Braden Johnson into uh, that old Tylen Wallace spot, the uh, the receiver that becomes uh, sort of the, the number one option on so many of their plays. So, uh, and, and Braden Johnson really excelled in that, uh, in that role, whether it was, uh, you know, he had the slant that he, uh, that he got into Smoke and Field and, and had a, a long run on. I guess that was the touchdown, actually. Yeah. And then, uh, then had another long pass that set up their second touchdown. So um, he's a guy that has a lot of the intangibles and uh, and and the measurables both to go and be a uh, an impact player. Well, that touchdown that on that slant, that's a real that's a competitive play. I mean, yeah. it was a bang bang play. It's basically Drew Brown throwing to a spot and Braden Johnson has got to get there and out muscle his guy. Right. Which he did all of that. And yeah. so that's that's one of those things that you know, you you practice and you practice, but then you got to go do it in in that moment. And he yeah. did a great job there. And I think too tonight, you know, as we as we look at what Braden Johnson did and and what some of these other uh, guys did in the in the in the past game tonight, um, you know, I think we continued to see we we sort of knew it the two games that Drew Brown started that his passing was limited. Right. You know, just. Uh, good in the short good in the intermediate but anything longer was just not 100 percent accurate yeah. through a lot of fade passes tonight and not to say that that's not a, an effective play 
but it was it was stuff that you know it, it didn't seem like it was it was the best um it was the best way to potentially move the ball for right. them yeah. and i know you've got to do some stuff to get a&m spread out a little bit um but it, it just I, I think it sort of spoke to some of those passing limitations that drew brown had yeah i thought he he played admirably um but you know what you said earlier uh, at one point earlier this evening, who knows if this game's different if Spencer Sanders right. is able to play more and, and potentially throw it a little bit, but it didn't look like that was the case tonight. Yeah, absolutely. He was not, uh, he was not fully confident in that thumb, and, uh, and the coaches could, could kind of see that. Um, Sean Gleason discussed that as well and, uh, and sort of alluded to the fact that it wasn't, uh, wasn't where he or – or, or Spencer wanted it to be for him to go out and play the way that they needed him to. So um, I tell you what, let's take a quick break, and we will uh, come back and, uh, and look at the defense in this uh, 24-21 loss in the Texas Bowl for Oklahoma State. Coming right back on the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. We are back on the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's. We've changed locations now, Jenny. We're uh, <laughs> the thing we feared was uh, was about to come to uh, uh, come to reality. They're uh, they're they're moving the benches that we were sitting on, the nice comfy ones. So oh well, oh well. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this defense. Obviously, um, you know when you lose, it's tough to get excited about the defense. But it's a defense that gave up. 24 points was put in some really tough situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out uh, and, and got takeaways. Um, you know they uh, they they did some uh, some really good things. Just uh, just it just you know it, it's hard to say they didn't do enough because yeah when you're Oklahoma State and your your defense gives up 24 points you kind of feel like you're going to win the game but true um, still a lot of a lot of positives to take away from uh, from what this uh, what this defense did. Uh, I think more than anything, the uh, the talent that they've got in uh, in young players. Let's start in the secondary because Jason Taylor came in in a tough situation, makes his first career start. Uh, you know, a, a local boy, Midwest City boy from Carl Albert High School. Uh, really good story and has a uh, has a fantastic game. Um, you look at at what they've got on uh, on the back end. <laughs> They've got they've got a lot of uh, they've got a good variety of playmakers and guys who uh, who I thought played really well tonight. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, if you talk about the secondary, you know, you got to lump in AJ Green and, and right. Rodarius Williams, and you're losing AJ Green. But uh, you know, to me, that secondary such a huge question a year ago. You know, they were so young, and after they beat Missouri last year, you kind of thought. Maybe they maybe they've grown up a little bit. Right. And here we sit a year later and yes, I know they lost, but it wasn't because of the secondary. Right. You know, those guys that were playing with uh, Colby Harvell Peel sidelined with injury and Trey Sterling sidelined in the first half because of that targeting penalty in the Bedlam game, you know, that there was not a drop off there. No. There was not, it was not a situation where you said, "Oh, Texas A&M's exploiting that." Yeah. That wasn't the case at all. Texas A&M didn't get after OSU until they went to the option in the yeah. in the second half. And so, yeah, the secondary, I mean, now we're starting to see um, 
some of what I think we saw out of the linebacker position earlier this year, right. where it's not just young, talented guys, but you've got some depth there. Yeah. So you can, you know, not only roll your starters out there, but you know, you can you can platoon a little bit and have a reserve in there from time to time, give guys a rest. Uh, you know, you can make them fresher throughout the whole season. So I think it really is a huge positive moving forward for Oklahoma State and the, and the secondary for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You uh, you wondered how Texas A&M might try to attack the uh, the new guys, and it uh, it never became an issue at all. Um, you mentioned the option that they that they went to with uh, with Kellen Mond. Um, you know, they have one one big play on it where. He kept the ball forever before he, he throws what almost felt like a desperation pitch out there, but it was uh, it was just a well orchestrated play uh, out to uh, the running back who was still trailing him, waiting uh, you know well outside of uh, of of the pocket, and then uh, and then he has the big keeper for uh, for 67 yards and the uh, the go ahead touchdown uh, there toward the end of the game, and that was not something that uh, I mean he they had done it. But they hadn't done it a ton, and that was the thing that uh, that they played to their benefit in there. They saw something where they could attack and uh, and and give Oklahoma State some trouble. Yeah, Jim Knowles said, you know, that's something that they knew was in their playbook. Was they uh, OSU defense knew was in Texas A&M's playbook, but you know, and they obviously practiced it some but you know they're not going to spend a ton of time on the option um it's not a situation where you think they're going to run you know half of their plays right. yeah. at, you know running the option and they didn't uh not even close i think there might have been six yeah. maybe five or six option That's plays that um but they were really key i mean you mentioned the long touchdown obviously the the one that he strung out strung out strung out and then uh, they pitched it set him up in good position for a, a touchdown so you know that they were timely moments that really um helped a&m get over the hump get back in the game to start with and then ultimately to score the go-ahead touchdown um run some clock also they used some option in that last field goal drive that allowed him to to sort of melt the clock a bit but you know it really did take them digging deep to find something that could really move the ball because up until that point the chunks were few and far between yeah. for AM's offense and um so i think this is just one of those things that a year from now jim knowles and this this defense is hoping that they're even better at those on the fly adjustments yeah where they say you know if a team throws something at us we haven't seen or we weren't expecting we can figure it out as we go and uh, that was that didn't happen as much tonight, and so it's just the continuation of that that growth in Jim Knowles' uh, defense, and and we'll see. You know, next year will that will that continue to be? Uh, was that one of those things that we'll say, oh yeah, remember the bowl when they were talking about right. better on the fly adjustments? That's that's this. You know, we'll we'll. we'll like we're talking about last year's bowl game being a moment that the secondary seemed to grow up. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're looking back at this and saying, oh, yeah, this is where they took that to heart and really started to learn. Yeah. I mean, uh, just in general, how excited are you if you're Jim Knowles right now? Once you get past the pain of, the, of, this, uh, of this defeat, how excited are you to be, to be Jim Knowles sitting there with, with one starter that's, uh, that's, that's a senior and, and one backup that's a senior, and that's it? 
It, yeah, it, I mean, he has to be feeling great about mm-hmm. where things are because, as you wrote, within the last week or, or ten days, you know, Jim Knowles had to learn to some degree too. Yeah. Obviously, he had players who had to get some things figured out, but he also had to figure out what do I have that works best with these guys, and uh, so it was. A, it's been a learning experience for him too, and now it's really you're starting to see it come together. Obviously. You know, for this team to have been four and three, and now you'd you'd rather be nine and four if you're if you're OSU, but still to win as many as they did down the stretch, and yeah. for the defense to have been such a huge part of that, um, you know, and and you you think about um, you know Calvin Bundage, could he be back and be a, a big part of right. the, the middle of that defense? Devin Harper was hurt a lot this year, and he when he's healthy he looks dynamic yeah you know so how does he fit into all of this that defensive line so young and yet they really saw a huge uptick as the season went on you know i i gotta think they feel pretty darn good about the forward momentum um you know even even though tonight wasn't was not how they wanted it to be jim Knowles, you know never happy after a loss uh was not tonight but, uh, you know, I think if you take a pan back, you can't help but, but feel great about the strides that were made on this defense. Yeah, absolutely. So many guys that that were question marks at the beginning of the season or guys that we didn't even really know about that were going to be that a guy like Trace Ford, who in the, in the middle of August wasn't even being discussed as a, uh, as a true freshman who might play. And I don't know, I, I don't have snap totals available from tonight but he was on the field a ton and he was all over the place as a really exciting player i'm not sure i know what position he was playing (laughs) it might have been the trace ford position yeah because there was there was one time i looked at you he made a tackle on a like a a screen or something on a pass play and he was out on a wide receiver yeah sheds the sheds the guy sheds the blocker and goes and gets the ball the guy who caught the ball and i thought what the heck's he doing out there yeah but it wasn't the only time no i and i don't i don't know that they have totally found the limits of how they can use him because he seems to have uh size dexterity quickness i mean some things that you don't see out of guys that big right very often yeah. so it's going to be really interesting to see if what we saw tonight is a precursor for how they may move him around next season yeah absolutely all right i tell you what jenny let's take one more break and we'll come back and uh sort of uh sort of put a bow on this and talk about some uh some other things we haven't touched on yet uh as far as how this uh you know what where this where this team stands right now and going forward so we'll uh, be right back on the cowboy chronicles presented by zaxby's back on the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. Jenny, one thing that we uh, we have not discussed yet, this was the last game for Casey Dunn on the Oklahoma State sideline. It's true. 
uh, sad thing for those of us in the media because he's such a great guy to uh, to deal with. I think a sad thing for Oklahoma State because he is a uh, a really important piece of what Mike Gundy has built at Oklahoma State, not just as a receivers coach, but just what he means to to the uh, to the culture uh, that that Mike Gundy is is so proud of here at Oklahoma State. Um, I'm I'm working on a on a story about about Casey Dunn and and sort of what he has meant to this program over the years. And I was talking to a former player, and and I said, "Hey, who are some other guys I should talk to for this?" The first guy he mentions is a quarterback, a former quarterback. The second guy he mentions is a former offensive lineman. And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> now I I really get it now. Like I knew that that was that that was part of the story, but um, I'm really interested to to kind of dig into this more and. And see just how deep the uh, sort of the roots of, of Casey Dunn's um, importance have have uh, have grown within this program. Longest tenured assistant uh, on Mike Gundy's staff, yeah, and a guy that you know I think uh, really bought into the the way that Mike Gundy wanted to build this program, mm-hmm. the culture, the recruiting. Um, you know, I, I, Casey is fascinating guy to me i mean the way that they've been able to develop the receiver position under his care and feeding i mean it is it's really interesting stuff and um it makes a ton of sense you know he goes out and gets guys that um that that sort of he wants to have different guys he wants you know obviously who doesn't want five stars clearly but you got to have guys that can do some different things and you also have to go into it thinking, you know, we may not get those five stars. Who else can we get? And then how right. can we develop them? Yeah. And so when you see the James Washingtons, the Chris Lacey's, the Marcel Aitmans, um, you know, the, the Tylen Wallace's, on and on down that list, Justin Blackman. I mean, um, although Blackman was – he was kind of already developed by the time Casey right. uh, came in. But, I mean, I just think that – it's he he's a master craftsman when it comes to the receiver position but like you said i think that the bonds that he has with guys that aren't in his receiver group speak to just a kind of personality yeah and really the attention that he he makes everybody he's he i don't know if you've ever been around bill self but you know people in our neck of the woods know about bill right. self and he makes everybody think that they're his best friend just the way he treats people and i think casey has a lot of that you know he remembers he you know seems genuinely interested to talk to people right and i think that that really i'm 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 fascinated to see how unlv goes because that is a program that has chewed up and spit out a lot of people right so it's a it could be a great place to recruit to and a terrible place to recruit to because every kid wants to go there and no parent wants their kid to go there right so uh they're getting ready to open a new stadium they've got a ton going for them can he really elevate what marcus arroyo the new head coach out there wants to do yeah um it's going to be really fascinating to watch from afar i wish we could watch him closer because i'd love to you know be able to talk to him more but it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see now he is uh he's going to be making some good money hopefully he uh buys a new hat (laughs) they you know what actually You know, Oklahoma State needs to retire his hat. They need to. They, it needs a special place somewhere. The hall. In uh, yeah. Gallagher, Iba, and then the Hall of Fame. That, yeah. yeah. It 
is it the hat he he started using when he first arrived? I have to imagine that it is. It must be close. Yeah. I mean, it, it's if you haven't seen it, it's faded mm-hmm. to a point of not. I think it was black originally. I believe so. Yes. Now it's kind of a hybrid gray. Yeah, there's brown. A, yeah, kind of kind of some some sweat stains in there and. Uh, <laughs> All sorts of things blended all together yeah. in that yeah. uh, in that hat. He pretty much wears it all the time. Yeah, all the time. In terms of uh, of other coaches, we've still heard we've heard rumors about Joe Bob Clemens possibly being targeted by uh, by Marcus Arroyo as his defensive coordinator at UNLV. Um, there had been some talk uh, between uh, connecting Sean Gleason to the Texas job, which or the uh, Texas offensive coordinator job, which sounds like it's going to Mike Yursich instead. Uh, but still, uh, Gleason being uh, being talked about possibly as a as a target for Greg Schiano at uh, at Rutgers. And you you were there. You were there when when Gleason was asked about that tonight, right? Yeah, absolutely. He he, uh, you know, in a, in a very nice way, said no comment essentially. But um, you know, he he did say, you know, if my if the the amount of time that I spent in the locker room with these guys after this game. Uh, tells you anything it should to tell you how much I, I care about these guys right now essentially and um, you know there's uh, there, there comes a time when uh, a guy's got to look at, at his options and decide what he wants for himself this is a guy with a with a young family um, you know spent most of his life uh, up in the New Jersey uh, area if not in New Jersey itself so um, you know that could be a, a very attractive thing for him and his family so we'll see what uh, what exactly happens there I, you know, I, I, I think that Sean Gleason might end up being a more short-time offensive coordinator than uh, Mike Yersich was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, boy, Rutgers seems to me like a real good way to end up back at an FBS, FCS school. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing wrong with FCS, but Sean Gleason, a guy that's on the rise and Rutgers is, is that is going to be a hard mountain yeah. to climb. It's going to be really, really tough, and that could go really poorly. And then I, you know, d- does he have the the bandwidth or the you know deep enough well to draw on to you know find that next job? Right. And I don't know if he does. So I, I, not to say that he, it wouldn't work and he couldn't do it, but boy, that's just that's hard and so you know if he stays at Oklahoma State a couple years if they can you know if, if, if being away from home is an issue yeah um, because they have such strong and deep roots there if they can manage it for a couple years then you at least have a little bit more to to play on if something right. goes wrong at that next stop yeah uh, I do think you're right though about uh, in your comparison between he and Yursich because Yursich was was really plucked out of nowhere by Mike Gundy and had to prove himself a lot more, whereas Sean Gleason was a name that was making making the rounds in coaching circles um, way more so than uh, than Yursich was when when Gundy went to uh, to Shippensburg and, and, and pulled him out of there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how this goes over the next uh, the, you know few weeks here. Could happen quickly. You never know. I wonder. Somebody brought this up. I can't. I don't think it was you, Scott. But somebody along the line said, "Well, if Gleason would leave, would they go hire Casey Dunback <laughs> right, right. to be the offensive coordinator?" I thought he should have been hired a year ago when they right. had the opening that Gleason ultimately filled. Um, 
it's a fascinating question, you yeah, know. It if is. he if well, I mean maybe Gleason stays another year or two. If Casey Dunn's going great in UNLV, do you bring him back? Right. If you're I mean, I don't know. It's it's that'll be an interesting side note to follow in the coming years. Yeah. It uh, it absolutely will. And um, you know, the the whole idea that when Mike Gundy went out to find Sean Gleason, he had two guys on staff that he could have picked from in Josh Henson and, and Casey Dunn ends up going outside and picking someone else and and could end up being without all three of those guys. Right. And Josh Henson here tonight yeah. on the field on the Texas A&M sideline, Casey Dunn coaching his last game on the OSU sideline and the future of Sean Gleason we think is in Stillwater, but you, you just never know. Yeah. Well, uh, it'll be one of those things. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of questions that are uh, are still sort of hanging in the balance. Uh, you know, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace, and these and these coaches. Uh, a lot of things that could uh, could really be impactful on uh, on this Oklahoma State football team as we uh, as we head forward. So, with that, I think uh, time to wrap up the uh, as I said the final Cowboy Chronicles post game podcast of the season, Jenny. Feels like we should have done this in the car. We've done so many post-game right. Cowboy Chronicles driving. You've done it. Jacob Unruh, your sidekick, has been there. I've been there. Barry Trammell's been there. But we're actually stationary right now. Yeah. So it feels a little bit weird not to be driving. But this is the last one of the year. And the thing is, it's going to be spring ball before you know it. That's so exactly right. It, it, will, it will pass very quickly. It absolutely will. Uh, want to uh, give out uh, uh, since this is the final post game podcast. We'll have some more podcasts, so uh, don't uh, don't go unsubscribe yet. Uh, we're still coming to you, just uh, just not any more post game podcasts for a while. Uh, but we do want to give a special shout out to our sponsor Zaxby's for uh, for carrying us through the year. As always, the Cowboy Chronicles is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand breaded chicken and fresh made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast.